0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: I'm Kayla Benny from Ocala, Florida, and you are listening to the monthly breeding and horse sales episode on Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for Thursday, September 23rd. This episode is a special episode of Horses in the Morning every fourth Thursday of the month, brought to you by myself and listeners like you. Good morning, Horse World.
0: Hey, you made it to the fourth Thursday of the month on Horses in the Morning. That means it's time to talk sales and breeding. (laughs) Uh, uh, Of horses, that is.
1: On today's show, we're going to talk about how, how do people make the perfect sales ad? We're looking to go on tips on how to market your horse, what pictures are appropriate, what does it take to make a sales video. What draws your eye to that certain ad? We're going to explore all these avenues on this month's sales and breeding episode with the featured guest, the German riding instructor, Ronnie Reimer. And we're also going to briefly chat with Dr. Sam Fielding on walking us through how to tackle some show nerves after you buy that new horse or when you take your first young homebred to their first show. So tune in. We have the German riding instructor straight from Oklahoma, California, (laughs) or not California, Florida. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know where I'm at. Oh, my goodness.
2: (laughs) Making me a West Coaster.
1: yes. It's much more fun. I'm from California. We we had more fun over there. But now I'm now I'm oh, a Floridian. That
2: explains a lot. <laughs> exactly that explains a lot. I was wondering. I, like I, I I knew you're weird, but I was wondering <laughs> where the extra weird comes from. But now there is an explanation to it. California should have should have known it.
1: <laughs> well, Ronnie, I wanted to have you back on the show because the last time we had you. Um, we got a little sidetracked on your wrestling career, coming coming to America no, and becoming no, a professional. We didn't
2: get sidetracked. <laughs> no, we did not get sidetracked. You just asked the wrong questions.
1: <laughs> well, I'm here to answer, or to answer, I'm here to answer your questions today. No, I'm here to ask you the right questions. And uh, so, Ronnie, how do you? yes do a sales ad i'm gonna go straight for it for the jugular
2: oh, quite honestly um i think i haven't done a sales ad in six years
1: okay so how um, do you sell horses social then? media
2: um sorry
1: how do you sell horses then uh personal connections
2: at the horse show uh seeing people, talking to people, personal connections to the network that we started building since we moved here to the States, like straight to trainers. Um, yeah, Just a lot of like running around and talking to people. Like I'm more of an in-person kind of guy, Um, but I definitely can contribute to (laughs) this topic because there's a lot of stuff I see online from other people that are posting ads where I'm either... I'm either intrigued and I want to know more or I'm like, okay, scroll. That's it. Boring or stupid. Yeah. But yeah.
1: Well, you know, I see some ads sometimes and I suffer from ADD, if you can't tell, um, and not diagnosed, self-diagnosed, but if I'm not drawn in in the first seven seconds, I'll just scroll right past. You know, you, you have to draw me in, and you have yeah. to hold me because if you show me five minutes of flat work to beautiful music, it's like, ugh. You know, I'm I'm out. Yeah. So you need to keep it quick, yeah. keep it so fast. You're
2: the, <laughs> so you're the perfect candidate for TikTok.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, that episode is right down your alley. It's right down your alley well, too. Well, I think
2: on On Instagram and the bookface the book um, face. <laughs> but yeah I, I don't think I don't think there is the perfect sales ad because you are talking to so many different characters, you're talking to so many different personalities like there there couldn't be much more of a difference in personalities like Chanel and me, like just that like my wife and I like just for an example, if something comes in a box with a manual. Chanel reads it from top to bottom. I throw it, you know what I mean? And I think it's the same thing with like, with like, um, Chanel is the person that has all the questions. Like if that sales ad is like 4,000 words and explains every little detail about the horse, she's all it. If I have to read more than five lines, um, I'm out then like, and, and then I'm, I'm more the visual guy where I say like, okay, I want to see, I, I want to see videos. And, um, to me, it's like, if somebody says like, Oh, super horse has shown with amateurs has shown here, has shown there. And then in that whole ad, there's not one, not even one clip of a show video, then that's where I get suspicious. I'm like, well, if that is, if, if you have such a machine at the show and he's so successful, Why is not one of his good rounds on there that makes me say, "Oh wow, he really is great"? Like, why do I see um, an indoor video of like single jump, diagonal single jump, and like everything set up like a sales video? Yeah, I'm like, well, like any donkey look good on a short (laughs) video like that. If I prep him for like three hours, and then out of 100 videos i have this one video that looks really good and that is the one that i upload. um so for me it's all about substance and transparency um and yeah honesty in in a sales ad you know like yeah. every time i read these ads that like a three four and five year old is the school schoolmaster, amateur and I just cringe and I'm like you have no idea where a four-year-old might go in his life in the direction hasn't proven anything in the sport yet you know yeah like like and how many how many old ladies how many little kids and how many amateurs did you actually put on that four-year-old to prove your point
1: exactly so yeah I mean I think that the biggest thing is if you're going to market it as a schoolmaster or anything like that, you have to have the videos to back it. And realistically, if you're selling any horse, in my opinion, you have to have the videos, you know? So you have to have the videos on hand, not be like, oh, well, I don't have that, you know? So I usually personally, when I make a sales video, because I I do market most of mine on social media and other avenues, um, websites, etc. So I... I do do, even though I don't like doing it, I do like a, a couple minute video of flat work that is all in one, no editing. So you see the horse's transitions, walk, trot, canter, up and down, you know, up and down transitions, etc. And then I do a jump video at home. And then if the horse has shown, you know, I have the show video. And if the horse is an event horse, I do a cross country video. You know, I have all of those already before because people are going to ask for it anyways, so you might as well have it and just post it and then you're not getting all those questions of can I have this video? can I have that video? I like to personally put all of my videos on YouTube as a link so that I just have those so I don't accidentally send, you know, a weird video to someone You know, you're scrolling through and you're like, oh, I think this is the horse. Nope, that's my other horse that isn't for sale that was being naughty that day. You know, whoopsies. Um, So you're a little more organized that way. Um, You know, I think, I don't know, what are your opinions on that? Like, do you think that they should have all those videos on hand? I mean, it sounds like you think that, but.
2: I think on social media, it's harder to weed through all these tire kickers and annoying people that just want to waste your time because they have nothing better to do than it is in real life. I don't think in real life people really, you know, are that confident that they walk up to you and annoy you with a bunch of questions and then just walk away, you know, with no comment, no nothing, no thank you. Um, Which on social media, it's very easy. Uh, So for me, I think it makes more sense to have all the information that would be requested from people already in that ad so that you don't have to reply to so many people saying like, uh, can you send me a video, please? Can you send me this, please? Can you send me this, please? Can you send me this, please? So then you start putting it into like an office position where you send it out to all these people that then maybe watch the video or watch, watch the reading and say like, no, nah, I'm not interested. You know, right. but now you put yourself into the position where you put in extra work, to I might not become a lead.
1: Well, and, but you would be surprised because I put all of that information, you know, I put how their disposition is, I put all of the, you know, what it would be suited for, um, its height, its location, and you'll still get, where are you located? and. I used to respond. I'd be like, well, it's at the bottom of the ad and this is where I'm at. And this is where the horse is. And now I I don't respond to those people because if honestly, and this might sound pretentious, but if you can't read the whole ad, which isn't very long, you know, I try to keep it as short as possible. Um, but give the most information. I, I, I don't really respond that much anymore. You know, if I think, if I know of the person that's contacting me or I know, like, okay, we have enough co- friends in common, um, you ride with blah, 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 I'll respond. But you do get the weirdos that are just wanting to look at horses or just being nosy about about that sort of stuff. So you do have to, um, you know pick and choose and be careful when you are operating off of social media and selling horses. But you also, I will say, Ronnie, you meet really cool people that I don't think I ever would have met because they wouldn't come up to you, you know, at the horse show because we don't run maybe in the complete same circles. So you, you do make really good connections sometimes doing it that way. Um, but but you also have to be very selective and you have to be there. There's a certain type of person. You have to be patient. You've got to talk through a bunch of questions. Um, my biggest pet peeve and people hear me say all the time is when somebody messages you and is like more info, please, or like details. And you're like, I I put it all in the ad. I don't know what you what you want from me. <laughs> like what what else? What the other, other thing- information? <laughs>
2: The other thing the other thing that I stopped replying to is when I get text messages or messages that have no opening and no finish. Yep. Where I just have a middle middle part where it says <clears throat> how old is that horse? I don't even reply to that anymore. It's like okay, if you if I don't know if you grew up somewhere in 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 a cave, <laughs> but it is hello Ronnie Hope everything is well. I'm very interested in your horse. I was wondering how old he is. Thank you for your time. Boom. Then you get a reply from me. I can see that you don't even have the time to sit down and nicely think about a question or value that I will have to reply to your text. Then you don't get a text from me. It's basic. It's basic manners. Like, hello. Thank you. That kind of stuff. If yep. I don't read that in a text, then that's it. Like, I'm too old for this, like, Tinder kind of conversation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like these one-word questions. Like, no, thank you for your time. Something like that. It doesn't cost you anything to be friendly on social media, on a text message, in an email. Yeah. Costs nothing.
1: Well, and I think too, it creates a better experience from both ends, you know, and I, and I get that some people, you know, you get burned if you're looking at horses and people aren't honest, they aren't upfront, then, then you get a little (coughs) jaded on, on either end, you know, and it, it goes for, for buyers and sellers, you know, we always hear about the sellers not being honest and, and that is true because it is the horse world and people aren't, the most honest, but also sometimes the buyers aren't honest. They're not honest with themselves of what they're exactly looking for. Um, and then that leads into them not being honest with, with the sellers. And then you get there and you're like, you're not riding at the level that you said you were. You're, you This horse isn't appropriate for you. And so then it's, it's a waste of your time and it's a waste of my time. And then people, I think get into that one worded, um, you know answering commenting sort of thing where if if we all just created a really nice dialogue then we would you know it'd be a better experience for everyone i think um you know like i had a lovely i i agree i had a buyer Mm -hmm. come by today um you know and you know it sounds funny but it's my day off today i didn't really want to show the horse i was kind of in a grumpy mood um you know, but it, that's part of my job. Is you know, you have to show up even on your days off to to show the horse. Because if that's the the one day that they can get there, then that's what you do. And um, you know, I get just
2: just, just for explanation quickly. Yep, when you said something that I don't know. Like maybe it's a it's the um, language barrier. Um, what are off days?
1: <laughs> there you are these these breaks that you get I sometimes. <laughs> I
2: heard a myth about it. A myth about it. I have to say, since I started RCR with Chanel in two thousand fourteen, I don't think we had off days.
1: <laughs> okay, so maybe I'm just a bit spoiled and every now and then I like a day off, okay? Um, California. <laughs> uh not it's California. It's like California. Okay. No. But, you know, you know, so you get into this mindset and then but I had a lovely dialogue with this gentleman that came and looked at this horse and, you know, and it's also icing on the cake that the horse is appropriate for about 3 of his students, so that that's nice too. Um, but just having banter, you know, we're not out as sellers to sell the wrong horse to the wrong person, you know. So, I mean, at least I'm not you're not, you know, the people that we are friends with and Um, partners with we all because it's our reputation on the line so why would we want to sell you a bad horse but just having that dialogue oh what's this horse about you know i'm like you know is he gonna go to the olympics no you know and so many people nowadays are like this is a upper level potential as a as a three-year-old and you're like well everything has potential until until it's but it's unless it's doing it you know how do you know? And that's the other thing too that, with breeding. That's
2: exactly what. That's exactly what I'm always saying. It's like don't, don't, don't tell me anything about a four or five year old prospect. Yeah. Like this horse can be a prospect. Fine, call it a prospect. But that horse can be so many ways. It can be Grand Prix prospect. It can be meter a twenty prospect. Or it can be dog food prospect. You don't know. Like this horse will tell you by the time it is where it is, what kind of prospect it really is.
1: You know, there are things that predispose a horse to have a, to be a better prospect, you know, a Grand Prix prospect, um, you know, breeding and stuff like that. But even you, you put two doctors together, two geniuses, their child could be, you know, just want to sit there and, and become an artist instead of going into medical school, you know, or becoming a lawyer or something like that, you know? So you can't always say that the horse is going to be spectacular, even though it's got all the right bloodlines and and stuff like that. But that being said, also a horse with no bloodlines might turn around and be the next, you know, Olympic horse. So I think everyone has to keep an open mind.
2: My best trainer, my best trainer in Germany always said you cannot write on paper. Like the, Whatever paper that horse has can mean something, can mean nothing. And if you have a bad paper and that horse is something, then everybody's like, oh my God, that one in a million. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you, you can't write on paper. And for me, for me, what, I, what, what annoys me lately um, on social media, but I think it's a worldwide problem is that over-promising and under-delivering just for a quick sale. Mm -hmm. And you cannot imagine how many phone calls I get from people that say like, hey, I bought this horse off the internet from Europe, and they said it's going to be this, and it arrived here. And first of all, it looked totally different, and it wasn't as cool as it was on that one video that I watched. Uh, Can you take it as a trade-in? Because... I can't do anything with that horse. Right. Um, and that's where I where where I see the biggest biggest problem on social media and these sales ads that okay if people come to you they're coming to a professional, right? And you are a professional in America. So if you sell them a bad horse, they can turn around and say like hey Kayla, that one didn't really work out, please make it right. Yeah. The problem that I see with social media now is that people go behind and around professionals and try to establish direct connections to a so-called, let's call it a source, if it is a good source or a bad source, we don't say. Uh, But one is, want to create a, a straight source, a connection to the source. And then they get these sources from people that they have never, ever met before. They take their word for it, and they're, like, miles and miles away. And once that horse is on, how are you going to call these people and say, like, look, this is a bad horse. It's not anything you promised. Like, it's not like they can call you or me and say, like, hey, guys, you got to make this right." Right. Which we would then do, you know, if we say, like, oh, I'm sorry it didn't work out. Give it back. I'll make it right. Well, you're not going to
1: put a horse, you're not going to put the horse on, back on an airplane. (laughs) And go take it back yeah exactly you no, know
2: you call me you call yep. me and expect me to to give you value for that horse that for you has no value because it doesn't work out for you and then give you one that does have value for you so for me it's a lose-lose right s- situation
1: what do you look for in in a horse when you go to buy a horse
2: First of all, do I know the source? Do I trust the source? Do I have a good experience with the source? Because for me, in, like, in the time where I was here in the States, I had so many people that called me and said, oh, Ronnie, I saw you are in America. I have the perfect host for you. And I, and, and most of them were all just shysters, and they had some
0: donkeys
2: that they just wanted to give a different zip code, so they're never coming back. Um, so for me, the most important part is the source. Where is the horse coming from? Can I trust that person? Um, Do I take their word for it? And then when I look for a horse, I'm looking. So what I want is the registry number, especially European horses. They either have a registry number with the Federation of the Country or an FEI um, horse ID. So these are the two things that I basically vet right from the beginning. I look through that entire life record of that horse um, and see how did he perform at shows is there like maybe a huge gap in showing where i'm like "Mm, six months not at a horse show that is very unusual in europe um so that is one of the first things i do Mm -hmm. and then i probably watch like if it is like like okay for an example the last horse that i bought call me baby blue i probably watched 45 videos of that horse on various horse shows From various years, started comparing. Okay, from this from this side, from this month to this month, he went up or he went down, and then I compared it with the with the show record. Um, I'm not that much on the whole vetting part um, because I had success on horses with the most horrendous X-rays. And um, we're working here in the United States with, with a very, very reasonable vet, Dr. Marty Allen, that looks at that whole picture. He tells me if he finds something on an x-ray, but he looks at the record, he looks at the videos, he looks at the confirmation of the horse, he looks at the flexions. And from there on, he says, like, look, like there is something on the x-ray, but apparently when I look at the record and all the videos, it never affected the horse, so don't worry about it. Um, so I'm not I'm not that anal about all the X-rays and this and having 120 X-rays. For me, it is um, the show record, show videos, and the source. And I would say in the opposite order: the source, the show videos, and then the show record.
1: Well, there you go. And uh, and that "Call Me Baby Blue Horse" is just a stunner. So you know. There you go. Yeah. After I fell,
2: <laughs> after I fell off two times and <laughs> had to figure him out. It is the fun- funniest story. Do you
1: have a moment for that? I'm sure we, we can fit one in.
2: <laughs> okay. I'll try to make it short. So yep. because of uh, the coronavirus, um, I couldn't travel to Europe to try out that horse. So I did exactly that. I know the source. I bought a bunch of horses from him. Um, I watched 45 videos on that horse. I checked out the record. It was solid, solid, solid as it can be. Um, we looked at the X-rays. Um, he has four chips, one in each leg. Makes sense because now the horse is balanced, right? <laughs> um,
1: That's one way to so look at I, it. And then I get
2: him over to the United States, and my yeah. And then I get to the United States, and the first rounds are horrendous. Three rail fell off, eliminated. One stop fell off again. I know um, you fell
1: off right in front of me and freaked my horse out. (laughs)
2: Yeah. I'm not sorry about that, (laughs) but a lot of people then came up to me and said like, Oh, you bought a bad horse. And they, he, he did that before. And with conviction, I could say like, I know that that horse. Cursed. I watched almost every video available of that horse at the horse show. I, I I saw every round that horse ever did in the record. And there was like rails and this, and like, there were like four rail like, like four po- falls, eight falls, 12 falls, but there was never an elimination and there was never retired or anything like that. So I did my homework and I didn't have other people to freak me out. And I said, look, I'm rusty. The horse just came over from Europe. He has a total culture shock. We need to find together. We need to give it time, and that is exactly what happened. But I was so confident, like I didn't let these people freak me out because I checked off my three most important pillars. Well,
1: and it sounds like maybe because you got you guys got together and you you kind of got to know each other a little bit more as you guys gave yourself more time. And that kind of ties right into Dr. Sam Fielding and her talking about show nerves and uh, getting to know your horses a little bit better and doing all the prep work before you go to the show. So let's get over to her. So we have Dr. Sam Fielding here. Um, She is a sports psychologist, and I thought it'd be really interesting to have her walk us through how to tackle show nerves, you know, for after you buy that new horse or you're taking your first homebred to its first show. And, you know, we all get those nerves, and especially on young horses, it can be quite intimidating. So welcome to the show, Sam.
0: Thank you very much. It's really good to be here.
1: And uh, it's such a small world, you know, we, we kind of know each other through through the horse world. But um, yep. I think that it's super exciting to have a, a sports psychologist that also understands horses and understands the pressures of showing and all of that. So let us know, like, tell us what you do and and give us a little brief
0: rundown. Yeah, sure. So I'm actually, um, my doctorate is in acupuncture, which makes people go, huh? Um, but I, I kind of got to the place of doing mindset work with riders specifically, because one, I'm a lifelong rider. Um, and two, I found that doing the work in acupuncture kind of led the way here because with the horses, one of the biggest thing is that they are so in tune to our energy, and whether we're aware of it or not, the energy we bring to the situation every time we communicate or work or, or just around them, our energy influences them. Mm-hmm. And so, when I think back to you know riding and growing up, there really wasn't a lot of talk about mindset, let alone like how our energy affects our horses, but you know, exactly what you're talking about with bringing young horses to a new show. That's everything. And I, I was like, Oh, this is perfect. Cause I literally took my four-year-old um, who I got her last August and she had just been back um, to her first show yesterday.
1: Oh so my gosh. How exciting.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's perfect. This was like, there's, there's so much to talk about it and like how to set yourself up for success because um, it really shouldn't be a scary experience.
1: <laughs> no, but it's so you know even just relating to it, I have my three-year-old that we just backed, and she literally has cantered under saddle twice. Um, and the other day, I was like, you know what? Let's let's pop over a rail. and I got butterflies, you know, and and I'm jumping my other yeah. horses, one thirty fives, you know going around show jumping I've evented up through intermediate and yet I still got nervous jumping my homebred that you know I've done all the groundwork with over a cross rail I was like oh no what's going to happen you know so we it gets <laughs> the best of us in weird ways
0: totally. so
1: totally well yeah how, how do we, you know, what's the, can we rub a crystal ball? Can you just tell us what the magical remedy is or what steps? <laughs> I'm sure it's not just rubbing a magic crystal ball and what well, do we need you know, to
0: do? I guess if you find the magic crystal ball, <laughs> um, well, I think really it starts out with that there is no obvious like overnight fix. And it starts with coming in with the right mindset. Like, what's the intention with that first show? What are we doing? What are we setting them up for? And a lot of what I think the vast majority of the work happens well before the first show. But in that actual going to the event, a lot of it is how do we frame it? How do we look at it in terms of really what is the objective? And for me, yesterday when I took this four-year-old, It was really kind of, um, it was a bit off the cuff. It was a little bit like, oh, there's this schooling show. It's going to be low-key. It's going to be something that I feel like she can handle. And it it was, the timing was right. And I was like, well, you know, this will work out. I think we can take her to the show. So it wasn't like months and months of prep for this particular show, but the months and months of prep were all perfectly suited for that, if that makes sense. Right. So it was like, the objective of going to the show was to give her that experience because she was in a place where I felt it was appropriate for her. You know, I knew she wasn't going to be overfaced with what I was asking her to do in the show. But it, the objective for me all along was give her a good experience, take her to a show environment, do the whole shebang where you got to load up the trailer, pack all the stuff, do all the things, all the extra that goes into a show and let her experience that. So this baby horse is, she's gonna be a show jumper, but I took her to a dressage schooling show. (laughs) People are like, what, why would you do that? And like, because all she's doing is flat work. She's not in a place where she's ready to do any jumping. She, you know, and it was the perfect way for me to give her that, like setting her up for success, letting her feel out that vibe without it being this high pressure situation. So I think that that's a really important way to frame it because um, it. I think like I was mentioning before, like what we do, how we influence the situation with our energy is, I think, vastly, vastly undervalued and recognized. Um, and so for me, that was also the first time <laughs> that I've showed in like almost thirty years because I took a long break from writing. Um, and spent many decades as a skier and a professional skier. And then when I came back to writing, you know, I didn't really have a reason to show. And so there are all kinds of things that would set you up to thinking like, oh, how's this going to go? But it was fine. We actually won both of our classes <laughs> and ended up beating all of the local pros. And I was like, well, I guess that, you know, we did our homework. Basically, we set ourselves up right. Um, and so that's really important. You know, I didn't go in there with a the mindset like, I'm going to go win. Right. <laughs> I went there really wanting to make sure that she was comfortable with the experience. And I think that that makes a, a world of difference in how we feel in the environment. But there's also so much stuff that we can do actually in that particular environment. You know, when the nerves hit. Right. When all that stuff comes into our head.
1: Um, well, and like when the butterflies get going and... and- you've got to kind of what I do personally, and you can tell me if this is wrong is I check my, my mental balance. So like, you know, cause we either care too much or we don't care enough, you know, and and you've got to check that and make sure that you're not leaning one side or the other, that you kind of keep yourself centered. And I mean, essentially that's kind of what you're saying here, right?
0: Totally. I think that, um, you know, like you said, regardless of, I knew what my objective was for the show, But even still, you know, all of the prep, like, right away, everything came right back where I was like, okay, you know, all of the little pieces that make it a little bit, um, like, the intensity of the situation is more than if you were just riding at home. There's, like, the packing everything, making sure, do I have everything I need? All of those little details add up to just extra mental chatter. And then, for me, like, honestly, driving the trailer to the show is harder than riding. (laughs) (laughs) Driving the trailer and all of the feelings are coming back. All of this stuff comes back from when I was a kid, thinking about my expectations that, you know, all of the little stuff that I know is irrelevant. And what do I do with the butterflies in that moment? And so, um, you know, there's really no wrong way to do it. And that's, I think, what's important for people to recognize is to figure out for you, what is it that you need to do in that moment to actually help you shift out of that state? Um, And so a lot of stuff I do with clients is about, first, you have to recognize when you're in that state, because (laughs) let's be honest, there's a lot of riders that don't even realize when they're starting to go down that road of becoming far too overwhelmed and way too stressed out, like they've checked out and they're not riding and they're still driving to the show. (laughs) Right. And so how do you get that awareness to recognize where you're starting to go down the wrong road and you can check yourself and change your energy in that moment. And that's a lot of what I teach clients in the beginning is to have the body awareness, the mental awareness, like you said, kind of doing that check. But it, you'd be amazed to, you know, actually talk to people and realize that they don't even know when they're in that they're so far gone by the time they realize they're in that state that it's almost like it's too late it's like trying to catch a speeding train that's already five miles down the track the momentum is so intense the energy is so intense that it's very hard for people to bring them back back to a place where they're calm they're centered and they're literally right you know that's like I was amazed yesterday because I'm, you know, in the warm-up ring. It's more or less everyone you know you're competing against. And you look, you see what other people are doing, right? You're kind of like, oh, that horse looks nice. Like, oh, they're doing okay. and This is like what I'm doing in the warm-up ring watching them. And then it's my turn. I go in the ring. I do my thing. And then when it's all said and done, I go to pick up my test and look. And I'm like, I won? <laughs> what, the hell, what the hell happened to everyone else? <laughs> like... You guys looked good in the in the ring. Like, I really didn't feel like that was going to happen, honestly, because this is a four-year-old at her first show, right? And there were some nice horses, and the riders were riding well. So clearly, something happened between the warm-up and when they went in to do their test. And it, like, I watched them ride before. It wasn't the riding, so it was clearly something they did in their head that made that situation just completely. Change their ability to do what they were doing moments before.
1: Right. Well, and I uh, I know personally, like, I have won the warm-up before, you know, like, going in to do a dressage yeah. test, and, like, I am winning. And then as soon as I <laughs> trot around the arena and, like, those, those thoughts creep in that you don't even realize are creeping in of, like, don't do this, don't do that, you know, and you're starting to talk negative to yourself – And then all of a sudden, you're doing things that you wouldn't even do on a regular basis. And then your horse feels that and freaks out or gets tense. And all of a sudden, they're doing half-pass across the the 12 by four or 20 by 40. And you're like, that's not in my beginner novice test a that I'm supposed to do a 20 meter circle, (laughs) you know, and and you're just like, this is so embarrassing. So, so I totally get it. You know, we, we go in and we're calm, but then, so how do people recognize that they're doing, doing that, that they're getting themselves into that state?
0: Well, so the thing that I think is the most powerful is, Realizing that we one we have the ability to shift that because I think sometimes people think that once they go down that road they're like I'm screwed I'm already like the rails are off I just throw my hands in the air right and the number one thing is to recognize like that's not it when I went in I mean literally I haven't shown in so long and I had a a good friend who's a dressage trainer I'm like no can I trot down to the judge's booth? Like, I can't remember. Like, what am I allowed to do? Yeah. And she's like, yes, yeah, you can trot down there. She's like, get your ass down there. So I trot my horse down and my family, my husband and my kids, they're watching and they like, my kids are six and three. And my husband is so not horsey. So they chose a bad spot. to sit. <laughs> so like I trot in and she spooked at my family. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> this is a good start. And then I, I get her past my family. <laughs> she goes to the judge and like almost jumps in through sea. I'm like, oh, God and I'm laughing by this point because this kind of stuff makes me laugh. And yep. I think that that perhaps is what saves me is that my instinct is to laugh when things are like, oh, oh. <laughs> and the judge is really kind, and she's like, you can walk past us but like, <laughs> like a few
1: times. Like, and at
0: that point, it's like, right? Hey, like for me, the situation is like completely deflated at that point. But if you don't have the ability to do that, the first step is kind of creating that outside of the show situation and recognizing, like, think of the millions of opportunities we have in a day to pull ourselves back from an experience that we re- reacted to in a way that was less than ideal, right? Like, the little annoyances through our day, you know, you're stuck in traffic and you start to get irritated, or something happens and your plan gets thrown out the window and before you know it, you're like, my whole day is screwed up. Right. I bring it back to those kind of moments. Like if you have the awareness to catch yourself in those kind of places, you have so many more opportunities to practice this than the isolated, like you paid a lot of money. You spent hours getting ready for this one situation where you're like, now I have to practice. I'm at a show. It's just you create so much pressure on the situation that people just crumble. So the key for me is to showing people that that scenario, that situation where your mind starts going down the negative track and you're thinking, like, don't do these things, that happens to us so much throughout the course of our day. And so if you can start to recognize that, bring awareness into your mental state, throughout the day, you have so many more opportunities to work on that particular skill because the reality is it's the same thing. Um, But first, and this is why I love working with riders is because at first comes, so a lot of people, you know, I don't have formal training as a sports psychologist, but I'm a lifelong athlete and I'm also a lifelong scientist and a doctor by training. So I'm kind of always, like breaking things down, trying to figure out why did this come to be? So I've looked at all of, actually, someone asked me this today. She was like, how did you, you know, like, what is your training? What's your background? How did you learn all this? I'm like, this is like from a lifetime of making mistakes and analyzing everything (laughs) and backing it up and realizing what didn't work and trying and iterating and working with clients to see how to show people to do these things. Because there's a lot of information and a big disconnect from the information and how do I actually do that in, in real life? So these there's a lot of great mental techniques that people can hear and learn and think about and they're like, you oh, know, box breathing. That makes sense. I'm going to do that. But the reality is in the moment when you're, you know, five miles down the railroad track and your train is going too fast, you can't even remember to box breathe. So it doesn't do you any good. Yep. So you have to train yourself up to those situations. You ideally never get to the point where you've let the train go that far. But the first step is where's the beginning of that process? And so a lot of people think like your thought creates a feeling in your body. Your thinking patterns create a reaction. And yes, that's true. But as a doctor of acupuncture, what I have seen is that your feelings and the sensations in your body also create the thoughts? So it, I've I've found that for a lot of clients, I take it a step farther back and I get them to have the body awareness to get the to reconnect to their body, so they can start to feel the sensations, start to feel like when am I getting irritated before I'm ready to you know bite someone's head off. Because that doesn't go from, it feels like it goes from zero to a hundred, like, you know, instantly. A lot like people are like, my horse was calm and then they just lost their shit. Like, no, no, no. You just didn't see the buildup from like one to 10. Your horse doesn't just go to one to 11. you miss right. missed everything prior. Yeah. And we do the same thing with our body. Like we're so, so many people are so checked out to the very subtle messages, subtle energy that our body is telling and showing us all the time, that they miss the opportunity to change the pattern. So a lot of what I do is in helping people regain that awareness, regain that connection to their body so that they can catch themselves earlier. But the beautiful part is when you start working that way and you get that much more sensitivity and body awareness, guess what else improves? you're writing <laughs> because <laughs> you're, you're starting to really pay attention to that stuff on a much um, more subtle level.
1: Well, that's, yeah, that totally makes sense. And, uh, and then you're not making, you know, you're not letting it ever get to an 11, you know, you're stopping everything when it gets to a three, you know, you're like, uh, totally. it's getting there. Let's bring everything back down a bunch of notches totally. and, uh, so that's, that's super interesting. Now, if people wanted to go and research like what you do and talk to you more, where can they find you?
0: Um, they can certainly go to my website, which is uh, drsamfielding.com. Um, I also have a lot of stuff that I post on Instagram, which is also drsamfielding. <laughs> <laughs> um and so, and, and Facebook, which is also Dr. Sam
1: Billy, <laughs> Super easy. And <laughs> <really simple. laughs> and it's exactly how it sounds that it's spelled. So that's super. And um, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, and you said when we talked previously that you're going to be in Ocala doing kind of a meetup, correct? At some point? Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. So my plan is in the new year to come down um, and do some stuff with folks. In person in Okawa, um, doing that, some live actual actual healing work that I love to do. You know, some of the reason people can't actually get that body sense is because there's so much blocked in their bodies, and there's a lot of physical work to be done. Um, and then I also love working with riders because. You know, the vast majority of riders I see have stuff going on in their pelvis and like, let's just make your job easier. Like, yeah. I don't want you fighting against your own hips. Yeah. like like, there's a reason your one leg isn't working. <laughs> it's, it's gone it's, numb and limp. I know, it's not yep. because you're not trying. You know? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So
0: in person, <laughs> the in-person events are a really good opportunity to come and experience some of that work. Um, and I'm going to try and set it up so that we can do some actual work with horses and then experience some of the energy work and then go back because the horses are the best mirror for what your energy is doing. They don't lie. So when your energy is different, when you come back to them, you're a different person to them. So, um, I'm going to be doing that this winter. There's events that I'll be doing up in New York, up in New York, where I am also in the mid Atlantic. I'm hoping to do one in Kentucky. Um, and all of that information is going to be shared, um, on those Dr. Sam Fielding channels. (laughs) Fantastic.
1: So our listeners can go look there. And, you know, if when we get your dates for Ocala, I know we have a bunch of listeners that either come down or um, live down here. So we'll definitely um, post that for you. And I'm so excited to meet you in person because this sounds right up my alley. I just I love everything about it. So thank you so much for coming on.
0: You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me.
1: So, Ronnie, thank you so much for coming on and helping me with the show today. If people want to find you um, and stalk you, where can they do that? I know you have all the social medias.
2: Yeah. Um, usually they can find me at home on my couch where I pretend that I'm working. <laughs> no. <I don't, laughs> Actually, almost like like you said, actually almost everywhere. It's uh, rcrequestrian.com is the official website where you can see all information, our training plans, show schedule, um, getting contact with the office for sales sources or training or clinics, um, and then basically everywhere on social media, um, rcrequestrian.com, and then the fun stuff is happening on Instagram. At Ronnie Reamer, that is Ronnie Reamer, and same thing. Ronnie Reamer, um, are the fun pages. But R C R question is where is business side and the more serious side of it.
1: Right. And then if they wanna go for the fun side, you go to the TikTok and, and find you there where I'm tasing you and uh and having way too much fun, so mm-hmm. well, fantastic! Thank way you so too much. much. Fun. Um, and you can find me on Facebook at Kayla Benny or Selkuth Sport Horses. Selkuth is spelled S-E-L-C-O-U-T-H. SelkuthSportHorses dot com. You can find the links to today's guests and show notes at horsesinthemorning.com. You can follow Horses In The Morning on Facebook. Just search horses in the morning and you can have all the horse radio network shows with you wherever you go with our free app for iphone and android go to your app store and search horse radio network and thank you to all the listeners for tuning in and remember riding like life doesn't need to be perfect to be wonderful give your horse a pet after every ride